If green is your favorite color or your way of living, then Grounded is the place for you. From big environmental solutions to your own backyard, wherever in the universe you may be, join me, Melanie Walker, on a journey to a cleaner, greener life. Grounded, your window on the environment. And a very warm welcome to it. Yes, this is Grounded. I am Melanie Walker. And yes, it is spring officially as of the 22nd of September. Spring sprang. That's always such a nice thing to say, isn't it? Woohoo! <laughs> and uh, of course, just waiting for the rains as usual, which is un- actually not usual. We we usually have a lot more rain. So, you know, the air is feeling a little bit polluted. And I think when the rains come, it'll get rid of a lot of the issues um, not mental issues, but maybe a lot of the air issues. And seeing as uh, we're talking about things to do with recycling and that, I think it's quite relevant, actually, the pollution in the air and how to mm. actually lessen your carbon footprint on the world. So to join us today to talk about what was um, National Recycling Day on the 17th of September and how we can carry on doing the good work going forward, we have Donna Marie Noble. Are you, are you still at Impact? I'm still at Impact. Uh, eight it. years and going strong. And it's it's three years since we last chatted. It was three years. Can you believe it? I think the world is a very different place now. Well, apart from the fact COVID came along, mm. um, do you think that things have improved or gone downhill since 2018 to now when it comes to people's way of looking at the world and how they deal with it? I know from my mm. side, people got very much more into their recycling. They got more mm. into gardening and stuff. Is that true of the general population that you've noticed mm. or do you think it actually didn't make much difference at I, all? I think to a degree because we were all stuck at home last year and then as opposed to going off to work on a Monday and uh, your rubbish bin went out and your recyclables went out for the day, mm. people were stuck at home and actually saw how much waste they were generating from their household. It didn't just disappear magically like it did. Mm. So I definitely think there's been a lot more interest in terms of, okay, I have all these things in my house, what's happening to them? And oh, look how quickly they build up because previously you were in the office, you were generating this waste in an office park or mm. a building mm. or a place of work. Now you're at home and you are generating this way. So I definitely think it's worked in our favor in terms of shifting mindsets. But there's still a lot more that can be done. You know, I think I think generally South Africans battle with the concept of recycling. You know, what should I do? Why should I do it? You know, what difference does it make? We should actually be leading the world in this because Absolutely. we have so many people who are so proactive and forward thinking mm-hmm. and really ultimately entrepreneurial in mm. their way of thinking when it comes to waste. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of people I deal with who are upcycling all kinds mm. of stuff, and especially from the corporates. But what was your focus this year mm. for World Recycling Day and for South African Recycling Day? What what was the main focus mm. and the, the theme you were trying to get across to so the general to, consumer? We're trying to drive specifically about let's invest in a better South Africa. And, you know, there's so many things not within your control nowadays between COVID and jobs and Mm. income and things like that and kids with school and not at school and that. So what is the one little thing that you know you can do? And the answer was simple. It's recycling. Make Mm. sure you're being responsible in your house. You know, do that bit of making certain not everything is going into the black rubbish bin. Separate, even if it's just your cardboard and plastic bottles. Mm, mm. So we're trying to harness it from consumer side to say, what is the one thing I could be in control of? 
and what will it do in terms of the ramifications? So there's a long-term effect. You know, do I get to know the collector in my street and hand mm. him my recyclables? Do I support the school down the road that runs a recycling program? Do I drop them off at a shopping centre or if I'm near a buyback centre, if I need to earn an income, do I drop it off there for money? Mm. So that's the one thing you could control. So it should just become a very common habit every day to separate out your waste from your rubbish and know the way when you're passing it on, you actually contribute in some way along the line to the recycling stream. So a person earning an income from it and you know it's not mm. going into a landfall. So that's the one thing consumers could control. Or going into our rivers. Absolutely. Especially, I mean, the Bramfontein Sprayt, and I keep on saying this, I mean, you know, mm. we walk the Bramfontein Sprayt all the time. Yeah. And you see even people doing cleanups, mm. okay, and the mm. big cleanups happen. All we mm. need is one rain or the water to come because mm. on the Bramfontein Sprayt specifically it comes from Hillbrow. Mm. Mm. And that is one area where it really needs to be getting home to the people mm. that you need to stop just throwing things into the rivers and or mm. into the ground because this mm. is where it's ending up is in mm. our green spaces. Mm. And I think that if we could push that to people and say, well, where do you think this rubbish is coming from? Mm. It's not coming from animals. Yeah, absolutely. It's coming from people. Mm-hmm. So it behooves you as a human being mm-hmm. to actually be setting a good example and, and spreading the word. And we should be holding each other accountable. You know, if if someone is littering or throwing stuff out a window, why? Oh, I, I, why? I jump out of my car often and go and pick it, pick it up and throw it back, back in their window in. and say, I think you dropped this, um, which I'm sure will get me into a lot of trouble one day. But I don't care because it's mm. not acceptable. If it's I see, basic human behavior, actually, well, to not throw it out the window. We don't have a zibi to zap things into I know. anymore. And yet know? that campaign is integral to how South Africans should be thinking. Mm. You know, in the very least, put it in a bin. Don't throw it on a street or yeah. in a river or out your car window. You know, if, if nothing else, do that because that's sort of step one, isn't it, actually? But then maybe, I mean, not that it would actually work because we have nobody to enforce these things. Mm. But I mean, I, I take Singapore as a place where they, mm. it, it, some people will think of it as fairly draconian mm. in that mm. you're not allowed to chew chewing gum. Mm. because people spit it out onto the street. Their pavements are clean. That Mm. place is fantastically clean. Mm. So imagine if we could have it where everybody actually policed everybody else. Absolutely. And it should be a self-policing culture, in all honesty. As a, as a parent, I do it with other parents. We do it with our kids. We do it with our kids. So why why does must it change? Because now it's recycling. Now it's just taking it one step further. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So okay, cool. I make sure I always put my rubbish in a bin. But what else do I do? Okay, well I've got a milk bottle. I know that can be recycled here in South yeah. Africa. In fact, there's so much packaging that we do recycle in this country. It doesn't necessarily go overseas to other recycling countries and that. But we're actually quite good in that regard. And I, mm. I don't think people realise that. There's this whole environment and economy and ecosystem that goes on behind the scenes. Mm. And I'll give you an example. Um, a lot of people panicked last year around toilet paper. We're going <laughs> to run out of toilet paper. Why Why was that the first go-to around the world? Why? So South Africa, we do phenomenally well when it comes to that. Your white paper is what turns into toilet paper. Mm. We are the leading supplier of white paper into the tissue mills. We can guarantee you right now we're not going to run out of toilet paper. It's a fact. <laughs> it was one of our first posts that went out on social media because it was a buzz. People are asking us, is there going to be toilet paper in the shops tomorrow? Obviously, it doesn't help if you're a consumer and you go in and you buy 20 bundles of which toilet people paper, doing, which yeah. people are doing. Then by, by default, there's naturally going to be a shortage. But there's enough to go around if we all share. No, people are very strange sometimes, mm. okay? And we're not talking about just like the fact that they throw things down on the ground, but the way that mm. they think about things like that. I mean, I've got my 
recycling down to such an art, mm. and I should have after all of these mm. years, mm. that if I throw away a half a shopping bag's worth of stuff that cannot be recycled, mm. it's a lot. A wow, week. that's good going. Okay, so I mean, mm. I, I am on good terms with the, what do you call them? Not the wombles, they call them wombles in England. <laughs> the <laughs> informal recyclers. The collectors, the yeah, collectors. collectors. And I think they're doing an absolutely sterling mm. job. Mm. And because they are making money out of it, and mm. a lot of them are incredibly like educated people mm. as well. So it's mm. not like people look at them, oh, look at these guys. Oh, they're the ones that live down by the river. They're not. They're mm. actually educated people who have realized, here's a way for me to make mm. money. Mm. And we should be supporting them mm. and not putting out dirty stuff, clean it out first, mm. all of that. And of course, paper recycling. But what happened, Impact had a really, really big recycling drive going on with the schools, but it seems mm. to have stopped with a number of places. What happened there? No. So what happened in about 27, 2018, there was an oversupply of waste in the market and we actually couldn't use up as much of the material at our own mills and actually across all recycling mm. mills countrywide. And then in China, there was a ban on imports from countries. So you must understand as well, whenever there was an excess of waste in the market, you export it to a country that needs it for their packaging. So mm -hmm. China stopped that. And it sort of had a knock-on effect into the other countries because then suddenly India started taking and Indonesia and things like that. So they started accepting the recyclables that China wasn't taking. Are you seriously saying that other countries will take our waste and do what with that? They will recycle it as well because they have very similar structures in terms mm. of being developing countries. So they also have sorters who will take the PET bottles out, might take uh, the cardboard, or in that case, there was an oversupply of certain products such mm. as newspapers and things like that. So it did slow down a little bit in terms of the fact that there was too much fiber in the market and we actually couldn't move it as quickly as we wanted to. But that turned very, very quickly because we went into a recession and then we obviously went into COVID with lockdown and consumer spending took a dip. And consumer spending is what drives part of the recycling industry mm, as well mm. because you need consumers to go out and buy that fridge and buy that car and even do your grocery shop in the box that your vegetables mm -hmm. comes in. You know, it's all part of the recycling stream. And that wasn't happening for a very long time. So we're now in the opposite situation where there is a shortage of fiber and we don't have enough waste for our mills. Especially as so many people are now working from home Absolutely. and not working from offices. So offices aren't generating as much. The waste is ending up in homes, in people's homes, and they're almost don't know what to do with it or if they want to do something with it they they battle a little bit they think it's too hard as opposed to actually just researching mm. because recycling is very much localized to the community with which you're in so mm. you might have collectors but maybe we have a lot of schools where we stay for example you know it, it depends on the environment that you're actually in and it's not hard to get onto these community groups and chat and find mm. out well where's the nearest recycling drop-off site for me or who do you guys support with the waste you mm. know so I, I just think uh, we're in a different situation now and now we need the waste and we need people to make certain they're not just throwing it in their bin. So are the schools up and running again Absolutely. with their Mondi, the Mondi bags? As we Was used to the call Mondi them. bags, now the, the impact, impact bags. bags. So they're green. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's been interesting. Schools, it's been hard because obviously last year they were closed for a very, very long time. And even now, a lot of schools have gone back and they're still on rotation. So they're not even got their full uh, mm. school complement throughout the day. But uh, we've kept strong with the school's competition. We never stopped it. It ran last year as well, and it's even run this year. And we're starting to see a lot more energy coming in from the schools. And I think it's almost people want this degree of normality back, you mm. know, like what can we look forward 
to amongst the mundane and the same old, same old that we're enduring as people every single day. So we started off quite well this year. It, it slumped a bit, unfortunately, with the last lockdown in June and July. The collections were very minimal on the schools program, but mm. that was nobody's fault. It just was the state of play. But I, I still find it fascinating that people will take waste. From, I mean, other countries will take waste from a country. I mean, we, you know, I, I just see it as such an incredible income stream mm. of, of exactly. doing that. I mean, Especially they, here because we recycle so many different products. Yes. Yeah. In fact, our recycling rates are pretty high in comparison to the rest of the world. Are they? How mm. much so? So the latest stats for paper recycling, which would have been for the period last year, 2020, was just short of 70% in terms of recycling rate. Mm. Glass has a recycling rate of about 44%, but there's a reason for that. We've got the returnable system when yes. it comes to glass. So th that makes a, that's an impact in terms of the recycling rate. And plastics, believe it or not, depending on the plastics, also not bad. Uh, your PET bottles, which we all have at the best of times, about 63% recycling rate. So as long as they're out in the market and then mm. they're being collected, they can get recycled. But if they're ending up on a landfill or they're getting contaminated or used for other purposes like holding chemicals and things like that, that, that can cause problems in the long run. You know, So, I mean, we don't do bad as a country. It's just about getting that behavior right with people. I see that a lot of garages, uh, petrol stations, mm. have actually gone and put those machines in that you can go and take yes. your pet bottles. Yeah, that's back right. And recycle yeah. various things. I, I tend to use all of mine to make eco bricks with. I mean, that, that was a wonderful story mm. um, about that school. Is it out in Deep Throat or somewhere where they mm -hmm. built most of the school using eco, eco bricks? bricks? Yeah. And that yeah. all of that stuff would have been going into um, landfill. landfill. Yeah. So I sit there and I look at how much stuff goes into each one of those bottles. Mm. Mm. All these little bits of things mm. and little bits of plastic and stuff, and you put it all in there. Mm. So, so just make thing. sure you're using differently your bottles that are maybe less in demand so the likes of your green bottles and your brown bottles and that because your clear and your blue bottles are made into new PET bottles mm. for cool drinks and in fact probably any bottle you hold most days has some degree of recycled plastic in it so well, I think um, everybody can send me their green and blue brown bottles absolutely yeah. <laughs> absolutely but the th that's the point it's not ending up in a landfill mm. so obviously first prize is recycling and when we mean recycling taking of the actual product and making it into a new product yes. so there's a whole mechanical process that goes on behind that and making a new form of packaging which in fact most of your cardboard boxes in South Africa mm. are made from old cardboard boxes, you know. But then obviously second prize is making certain that you use it in other ways if there is too much of it. So the upcycling, repurposing, etc., And then composting. That's absolutely. another option. Yep, absolutely. And an easy, easy option. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to actually figure that one out. No, absolutely not. I mean, it's it's one of the things, I mean, then you know at least where your compost is coming from and what's absolutely. in it. Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, one of the things for me has always been Catch them when they're young, mm. teach them well. And I'm not talking just about a future husband. Mm. I'm talking about children, obviously. And well, they're very important to train a future husband on your recycling. <laughs> well, on everything, actually, let's be honest about it. Yes. Um, but, I mean, we were taught when we were really young, these are the ways that you behave. Mm. Okay. And this mm. one of them was you do not litter, you look after your environment. Mm. So we really need to be pushing this with kids because mm. they. Just, it's become such a, a – Thing where you just want stuff mm. and you don't care mm. about where the other stuff mm. goes to. Mm. And I find that even with my own children. Okay. But now they're, they're thrifting and they are taking clothes which aren't really exactly their style and they're, they're changing them into something else rather than going out and buying something. Yeah. yeah. So how do we get kids 
minds and imaginations involved. Mm. I know you still have Ronnie running around. Ronnie's running around. He's been doing phenomenally well. Obviously, last year was a difficult year, but mm. uh, we're over, we've impacted over 500,000 learners on the Ronnie Recycler program. And that's been Ronnie going to schools, mm. teaching about the importance of recycling. So that's fine. That activity exists and we give the kids bags and we hope they're taking the message home to mom and dad that, no, you mustn't be throwing it in the bin. It must go into my recycling bag. Mm. But it starts at home. It starts with mom saying, okay, no, guys, wrong bin, you know, or make sure you're putting it in the recycling bin. Mm. And people think, oh, no, you can only really do that with kids when they're 12 or 13. No, no way. My son is now four years of age and he's been doing it since he was two. He comes to me and he says, Recycling, and I say, yeah, that bin, and off he goes. So it, it's already ingrained in him. And mm. he, look, maybe he sees it because I work in the industry, so maybe it's slightly biased. But he sees it goes in there, and then he sees me dropping off the recyclables at school, and he knows I'm at work, and I deal with Ronnie and things like that. So maybe he's got a bit more perspective mm. than most kids. But it definitely starts at home, and it's once again that behavior. What are you teaching your kids? What are you showing them? But they still want, I mean, in this, especially in this way of the new normal, mm. <laughs> and I'm not talking about just uh, being in, in lockdowns and things like that, yeah. in that every child needs to feel that they've accomplished something. And this is one mm. thing, I mean, even, I saw at the, the primary school where I was, where I yeah. first met you. Yeah. Not that I was in primary school at the time. Obviously, my kids were. But yes. even the kids in the class, they used to come up from grade one, and if mm. some Somebody hadn't brought something, they would share a piece of paper for wow. them to be able to put in so that they could feel that they'd done something good. Sure. And that's exactly it. It's peer pressure. So you see your friends doing it. So you walking in with your Ronnie bag, or it doesn't have to be a Ronnie bag, your bag, mm -hmm. and you've got recyclables, and then you see they've got recyclables, and you drop them off, and you, you're all doing it. By, by association, you're all doing it because you carrying out the behavior. Mm. And it is about feeling something great, you know, and it's, it's why we run the school's competition, because at the end of the year, we then go over and hand over that check, and Ronnie comes about, and we, we try to make a big song and dance about it for mm. the schools, you know, to make it quite exciting. But over and above that, we've also run a number of events at schools for National Recycling Day recently. Mm -hmm. And it, it was about getting the kids excited. We sit with a generation and maybe not so much the youngsters yet, but as they get older, they're going to wonder about how things are and the, the state of the environment that they've been mm -hmm. left with. So the fact that they're inquisitive about the environment is probably a, a very, very good thing. And as parents, what are we teaching them? What are we showing them? Mm -hmm. How are we helping them? What world are we leaving behind for them? How do we get the parents to change their way of thinking? Sure. That is the big issue for me. Absolutely. And I, I see it with my parents, actually. You know, I mean, for them, it, it wasn't a thing to recycle. The rubbish bin came and mine, off it went. No, my parents were fully into it. My father mm. was like into the, the wild and being outdoors sure, and everything. Sure. So it, it was instilled into me in a very early okay. age, not just yeah. because I was the litter monitor at school. Okay, yeah, yeah. But I find that, yeah, it, it is my parents' generation. They were okay. wasteful, I suppose. The, the, the Yeah, absolutely. If I look at what my are they, parents. What a silent generation. Mm, it, it wasn't a priority for them mm. because they didn't worry about it. Off it went, mm. you know. But I found our generation, I think we're a bit more involved. We actually care what's going on. There's not this like, oh, it goes in a bin and off it goes. Oh, no, I can't stand the idea mm -mm. of that. Mm -mm. Even if my gardener tries to put leaves into the bin, I'm like, no, 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 go mm. and put them back into the beds. <laughs> 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 but it is, I mean, we've got to do something about it. Mm. I mean, you know, there's an overload, and that's why I reckon mm. that 
You know, when you get a viral overload and you get sick, that's mm. what's happening with the earth. Mm. There are too many people, people of the virus, the world is getting sick, which is why yeah. COVID came along, trying mm. like the earth's way of trying to keep numbers down. That's mm. the way I see things sometimes. Sure, sure. The pollution that is being generated mm. by people around the world mm. is actually heinous. Mm. And it would be mm. so easy to change all of that if everybody just changed their way of thinking. Mm. And their behaviors, actually, Melanie, to be honest with you. I mean, if it ends up on a landfill, and I mean, let's tackle the landfill crisis South Africa is actually dealing with at yeah, the please. moment. This is something people really need to know about. I don't think people realize it. And I, I don't understand it, but I don't know. I, I, I speak to youngsters, like, for want of a better word, mm-hmm. like teenagers. They don't really know what it's like to go with mom and dad on a Saturday afternoon to the dump site and drop off the stuff that goes into the dump site. Mm-hmm. They, they don't, that world doesn't really exist, even though – there's a lot of landfill sites around us. So that's one of the things. So maybe there's a disconnect there. But mm. in South Africa, our landfills are filling up at an alarming rate. And it's not that recycling is the magic bullet that's going to solve all the problems. Mm. But why are we not getting the recyclables into the recycling stream sooner? Why do we wait for it to end up on a landfill site before we do something about it? And why are manufacturers and all of those people not coming up with a more viable solution Instead of all of these things that cannot be. So a lot of that stuff is also being addressed now. I mean, it's still pretty new. I don't know how much you, you've heard about the EPR levies that are starting to come through. It's called extended producer responsibility. Mm. So that's starting to come through and that will be in effect from about the 5th of November. And it is. It's about manufacturers taking responsibility for the packaging that they're putting out mm-hmm. into the market. And the great position it helps us is it allows people to think not from a marketing perspective, but from an environmental perspective. So what packaging are we putting out? Is it already recycled mm. in the country? Or is this a product that isn't recycled? Does a new recycling stream have to be developed? Do mm. we need to entice a collector? Do we need to fund it a bit better so that it gets recycled? You know, So all of these conversations are starting to take place now because of the fact that we have so much waste that ends up in landfill. And the problem with landfill is it causes issues in the recycling stream. Mm. So you think about your plastic bottle and it ends up on a landfill. So what you're talking about with the air pollution and that, you know, if it sits on a landfill and it bakes in the sun, it's emitting emissions into mm-hmm. the air and that, which is dangerous. But over and above that, if we take it off a landfill and we put it into a recycling plant, there's got to be a bit of cleaning that goes on beforehand because that soil and those stones and all of that stuff can actually mess up the equipment. Yeah, yeah. And then there's more costs down the line. But why did it even get to that point? It should have just gotten into the recycling Bad stream consumers. from the dot. Absolutely, absolutely. So it is up to all of us mm. to actually be the be the world we want to be. Absolutely. I think that I think that's a good way of putting it. It is a good way of actually looking at it. All right. So if people want to get involved or they want mm. to get their community involved, how mm. would they go about doing this? In and like I mean, I'm talking about all mm. kinds of recycling. Mm. So I mean, we share a lot of information on our social media platform mm. and our website as well. We're always looking for communities to expand into when it comes to recycling. Um, we've got dealers all over the countryside, so we may not physically be in a place like Pofada, but we've got a dealer in Pofada. So mm. we can easily connect consumers to be at a dealer, be at a school, be at a church that's doing recycling, you know, and further to that, be the person who wants to see the change. So mm. if your child's school is not recycling, ask. Don't ask them why. Ask them why. Are you countrywide? Countrywide. So, so everywhere. KZN, Gauteng, uh, Western Cape, 
Um, even as far as PE, we work with a dealer in PE mm. that runs uh, their school's recycling program. So, yeah, we, we work across the board. Obviously, we can't be everywhere. And I think you need to understand there's a reason behind that because recycling is actually a logistics business. Yeah. So it's a very specific vehicle that goes to the schools and empties the paper banks and picks up the bags. But it doesn't mean schools in remote areas can't recycle. And in fact, you can usually pick up if you drive into a town if there's a dealer or a buyback center there because Mm. you'll see the town looks pretty neat and tidy. If it doesn't, they probably have to travel a bit when it comes to recycling facilities. Oh, dear. Well, stay away from Kamani then. Queenstown as it used to be known. Scary. Is is the Eastern Cape one of the the kind of – trouble centers when it comes to recycling in the country i, I mean for me mm. it's it's been one of the places where i've gone to the smaller towns and they just mm. look absolutely yeah lip, I think so is a good word. they've got to travel quite far and i think that's half the problem so your efficiency is coming in that you collect the material and mm. it either gets bailed or it gets processed in such a way that when you transport it to the relevant mill or site or recycling facility or dealer whatever the case might be it can be expensive mm. if you've got far to travel but also bear in mind as well, different products fetch different prices. So plastic bottles, good product to earn money off of. Cardboard boxes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. They do very, very well. So um, even coming down to your collectors that we were talking about earlier, if you look, there's a bit of an ecosystem that exists with them. Well, in our street, definitely. Mm. So This person collects this, this person yeah, collects that. Yeah, he takes that and that one takes that. And if they find others for their other collectors, they'll leave it on the street for yes. them to take because they've only got a limited amount of space to actually carry it in but you are absolutely I mean c- countrywide it's so important that we do recycling but I understand sometimes the facilities are a little bit limited but are you guys like involved in pick, pick it up because I know pick it up have mm. also been doing a lot of the, the, the they've got some flagship areas and suburbs mm. where they're doing mm. the waste uh, recyclable collections mm. are you like in contact with them about that yeah. at all so we work very closely with the municipalities but you need to understand as well a lot of the um, household municipality programs have to be run by them. It's part of their mandate mm. actually to provide the facilities in terms of a truck collecting the recyclables or whatever the case might mm. be. So yeah, we do work closely with Pick It Up. We would probably buy the waste at some point down the line. Maybe it's not necessarily from the household where Pick It Up might mm. be taking it, but it might be at like their transfer station or their sorting site or whatever the case might be because it has to get into the recycling stream and it has to get to a mill or a processing unit to mm. take it further. So Pick It Up is sort of one of the, the steps in that chain. But there's many, many steps and it starts with the consumer and then there's many different ways to collect. But you see, this is the thing. A lot mm. of the people are saying, okay, so they're coming and now we've got paper and glass mm. and plastic whatever their waste pickers haven't taken in one bag. Are they actually then sorting that out and getting it into Mm. the right people or Mm -hmm. are they just taking it to landfall? Because there's, you know, people are skeptical. They're sitting there saying, is it actually being recycled? So you can't, I can't talk on behalf of Pick It Up, but I can definitely tell you that we work with a lot of their garden sites and Mm. that, and that's very well supported by consumers and the communities and that. And you'll find people take the waste there and it'll be different recyclables Mm. plus their garden waste and that. We buy that waste from those garden sites. So we know for a fact that we're procuring it from them. It's going into the recycling stream. Mm. In terms of waste from the households and things like that, I don't know. I can't really answer on their behalf. 
All the people are taking mm. it still to those things instead of actually mm. putting it into a bag outside their house. Sure, sure. I felt I felt more comfortable having mm. my my green bag. Sure, sure. For, with impacts, sure. and then I knew that the truck would come past and pick up the paper. Yeah, yeah. That for me, I felt a little bit more secure mm. about, and mm. I'd like to still be able to do that, and then say, okay, City of Johannesburg, you can have the plastics and you can sure. have the tins and stuff like that. Sure. Our biggest problem with that program it was actually the lack of support. In in our best area, we maybe had a participation rate of about 10%. That's absolutely so It's kind of sad in a way. And if you think about it, your people that would complain the most were always in the minority. Mm. Let's put it that way. Mm. So, yeah, absolutely. And it's not to say these things are out of bounds. As a business, we're always re-looking at where we can get the waste from, you know. And sometimes it might mean looking at bringing back a program or bringing it back in a different format, mm. you mm. know. Maybe just having it as paper as a legacy program for 30, 40 years worked fine back then, but maybe it needed to morph a little bit. So never say never. Maybe Mondi should just turn around and say, right, we're not making any more paper unless it's actually been recycled. Well, it's not Mondi anymore. It's not Impact. Impact. So, sorry, I'm, just, yes, sorry, I'm thinking yeah. of the, what are the big fields where they get the trees? Oh, yes, Mondi Forestry. So Mondi Forestry They still should exists, turn around and yeah. say, we're not going to make any more paper. That would be an interesting one, actually. So then people yeah. would have to actually put stuff back into mm. the recycling stream for them to be able to have paper. Mm. Mm. But the paper's not really the problem, one, know, if you think about it. It's the other substrates. I mean, even cans. You think about cans, you never really see them lying around in the street, do you? No, because the waste pickers have picked them up because they're Absolutely. recycling them. And they've got a good economic value to yeah. them as well. Okay, so social mm. media... Online, yeah, website. We run a number of campaigns. And that's what impact.co.za. but there's also a link from our impact website as so well. If you back into find impact, not I M, just that's the M. Correct. Right. Not really. Mm. This is yeah, giving uh, giving people hopefully something to chew on. Mm, I hope so. Yeah I, yeah, I do think that we should have some way of getting people to be a bit more responsible for their own actions. I think you've just got to look at it in that you would never like to live in a home that's a mess. So why would you? <laughs> if you have teenagers, no, trust me. I it's know very I don't different want to live in, a mess. in that regard. But why would you do that with your recyclables? Yep. It's just a basic human behavior. And instill it in your kids. Mm. If nothing else, instill it in your kids. You're investing in a better South Africa just by doing it that way. I like that. And on that note, we will close it off and thank you very much for coming and joining us and of course um, don't forget you can go and have a look at those websites and please do something about it and the rest of the time of course you can spend on your garden sorting out your waste (laughs) and getting and seeing as now we're into spring thank goodness (laughs) thank goodness Um, but whatever you do take it outside get outside keep your waste low get some good fresh air be carbon efficient and above all stay grounded bye bye You've been listening to another episode of Grounded from Solid Gold Studios in Johannesburg. For more green ideas and events, pop along to Mel's Treasures on Facebook. Facebook.